This podcast is intended for healthcare professionals only. Welcome back to the Diabetes Knowledge into Practice podcast, bringing you news, views and updates in diabetes care. Today's episode is supported by an educational grant from Novo Nordisk AS, who have had no influence on the content or choice of faculty. Today we're discussing the development and uptake of new technologies and targets in the setting of type 2 diabetes. After a brief literature review, we'll be joined by Dr. Alice Cheng, who's an endocrinologist and associate professor at the University of Toronto in Canada. As discussed in our recent episode on glycemic variability, various studies have found that HbA1c might not in fact be the best measure of glycemic control or the best metric to predict outcomes. Variability of both fasting plasma glucose and HbA1c have been shown in some studies to be better predictors of outcomes than mean HbA1c. So does this mean we should be incorporating additional metrics into clinical care? One metric that has seen uptake in recent years, particularly in type 1 diabetes, is time in range, which denotes the time a person's blood glucose level remains within their target range. The ADA standards of care say that it should be an acceptable endpoint for clinical trials and can be used for assessment of glycemic control due to its association with the risk of microvascular complications. The attention given to time and range has been driven by the increasing uptake of continuous glucose monitors, or CGMs, especially among people with type 1 diabetes, which allows this type of data to be collected. In type 2 diabetes, the ADA standards of care recommend that patients using intensive insulin regimens, including multiple daily injections or pump therapy, should be encouraged to use self-monitoring of blood glucose and or CGM. They also say that CGMs can be helpful in identifying and correcting patterns of hyper- and hypoglycemia and improving HbA1c levels in people with diabetes on non-insulin as well as basal insulin regimens. The Liberates trial investigated the use of flash CGM in people with type 2 diabetes following a myocardial infarction who were taking either insulin or a sulfonylurea and found a modest improvement in time and range and a decrease in exposure to hypoglycemia. Another area of recent technological developments is closed-loop systems, which combine an insulin pump with continuous glucose monitoring to automatically adjust insulin delivery, otherwise known as an artificial pancreas. In type 2 diabetes, these have so far been limited to patients who are hospitalised. However, a recent trial reported in Nature Medicine in August 2021 by Boughton and colleagues, evaluated closed-loop therapy in an open-label, randomised crossover trial of outpatients with type 2 diabetes who needed dialysis. In other words, a very high-risk group. The study of 26 adults compared fully closed-loop glucose control with standard multiple-daily insulin injection therapy during unrestricted living for a 20-day treatment period for each intervention. The study found that closed-loop insulin delivery was associated with over 3.5 additional daily hours of time and range, and the overall time and range increased from 36% on day 1 to over 60% by the end of the 20-day intervention period. The authors wrote that these results warranted larger studies to determine if the fully closed-loop approach may also be beneficial in the wider population of people with type 2 diabetes. So should these new technologies be used by more people with type 2 diabetes? Today we're discussing this topic with Dr. Alice Cheng, 
who's an endocrinologist and associate professor at the University of Toronto in Canada and was chair of the 2013 Diabetes Canada Clinical Practice Guidelines. You can find her disclosures and links to all the publications discussed in today's interview in the episode notes. So firstly, the last few years have seen a huge uptake of CGMs in type 1 diabetes, but do you think they should be offered more widely in type 2 diabetes, or are they only useful for people taking insulin? In my opinion, I think the technology of continuous glucose monitoring can be beneficial for really anybody living with diabetes. However, it is the frequency of use that may differ between different groups of people living with diabetes. I I think for those who are using insulin, be it basal bolus insulin regimens or insulin pump, whether they have type one or type two diabetes, CGM is absolutely an important contributor to their success because of the, well, for obvious reasons, being able to see their blood sugars, being able to interact with them, being able to interpret pooled data, uh, as well as the communication with healthcare providers. So I think for anybody using basal bolus or pump, absolutely. What if somebody's just using basal insulin alone? That is where having more evidence to support its benefit would be helpful. As a clinician, though, I would say that, yes, it can certainly be helpful in that group as well to help us identify unrecognized hypoglycemia and to, again, identify patterns during the day. But even for those who are not on insulin, there is utility. But I would argue in that group, though, that maybe not to be used every day continuously all the time, but perhaps intermittent use is something that could be beneficial so that they can learn after using it for a month maybe one month, every three to four months, they use it so that they can learn about food and activity and their therapies and how their blood sugars react. So I think everybody can benefit, but I think how we use it can really be tailored. Likewise, is time and range something that we ought to pay more attention to in type 2 diabetes? One of the huge values of any system that continuously measures glucose is the ability to generate glucose metrics like time and range. And with that time above range and time below range. And what's great about that is being able to see very quickly if there is a need to dive deeper into the glucose levels and identify intervention. So in other words, if someone is spending lots of time in range and very little time below range, well, then Mm -hmm. you're done. Like you don't need to talk more. You don't need to go into it any further. But if they're outside of the, the targets, then you say, okay, now let's take a deeper look and let's identify the issue. So is there value in using it even in type 2 diabetes? I would say absolutely there is value as a quick snapshot to see how things have been going in the last, let's say, 14 days, which would be the usual time frame. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yes, I think there is value. Uh, I do not see it replacing the A1C. I think you get different pieces of information from the A1C compared Mm -hmm. to the time and range. But yes, I think there is value in people living with diabetes to to have that quick assessment of how things are going. A recent study investigated the use of a closed loop system in the outpatient setting for people with type 2 diabetes needing dialysis. Do you think there might be a place in the future for closed loop systems for those with complications or even those at an earlier disease stage? I think there's definitely a role for closed loop systems in future management of diabetes. And in fact, I would hope that before I retire, that this becomes a a reality for 
certainly those living with type 1 diabetes with or without complications at any stage of their journey, because the ability to reduce the burden of diabetes, particularly in the type 1 diabetes group, I think absolutely would be wonderful. If we then look at sort of the type 2 diabetes group and then those who have complications and, and more importantly, those who uh, require the use of insulin, then yes, I think closed loop is a great idea there as well. Because again, it's about reducing the burden of diabetes, reducing the chances of hypoglycemia or low blood sugars and reducing marked hyperglycemia, uh, but then yet not having it be a 24-7 full-time job, which is really what diabetes can be like. But if you're talking about someone living with type 2 diabetes who does not require the use of insulin, then no, I don't think the closed loop system would be beneficial to them. But uh, for anybody with type 1, for sure, at any point, and for those living with type 2, especially if they're on basal bolus as well, then yeah, I think it would be fantastic. And, and in those with things like dialysis, where it's quite challenging to be able to maintain glycemic levels because of the fluctuations and variabilities uh, due to dialysis from day to day, uh, having something else take care of it is just great. It's awesome. Why, why wouldn't we want that? And finally, what would your key takeaway message be for clinicians to consider regarding technology use in type 2 diabetes? Technology is here. Technology is here to stay. Uh, technology is going to continue to improve. And I think in our type 1 diabetes patients, the, the utility is well established. We need to generate more data and evidence in the type 2 diabetes space. But remember, someone living with type 2 who is on basal bolus or on insulin pump therapy, uh, they should absolutely get the benefits of what technology can bring to the table because it is all about reducing the burden of diabetes itself. Yes, we will eventually get data to support improved outcomes and improved metrics, but even, even in the absence of that, the fact that someone's life can be made easier and or made safer, that alone in my mind is a good reason to be incorporating it. So I think it's our jobs as healthcare providers to learn about the technologies, to get comfortable with what they are, and to not be barriers to access. And unfortunately, sometimes we are barriers to access because we have these preconceived notions of who the right person is to offer it, who can handle it, whatever that means. So I think we, we do need to check in with ourselves and make sure that we are not barriers to access to technology for patients who could benefit. This brings us to the end of the episode. Thanks for joining us. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts or recommend us to your colleagues. You can stay up to date by following us on Twitter at DKI Practice or connecting on LinkedIn. And you can find links to these in the episode notes, as well as all the references discussed today and a link to our new website. We look forward to joining you next time.